0: Please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter two. this morning. I've sat at home this week and dealt with the issues of uh, preaching and, and what we've looked at in the recent weeks. But today, uh, this month, we focus on Advent of Christ, <coughs> and I want to turn to you. Ask turn. I want to ask you to turn with me to one of the most familiar of the Christmas stories as recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. I know that you're sat, I know that you're comfortable, but I want to ask you today, especially at this season, if you would. If you're able to, if you can, if you will, stand with us as we read the Holy Scripture together from the New Testament Gospel of Luke. Remember that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. It is for our instruction as well as correction and reproof and directions and righteousness according to its own its own uh, word. So let's remember that what we're hearing from and you that want to hear from God, you're fixing to. This is what he said beginning with verse 1, Luke chapter 2. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now that's reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, verse 15. When the a- angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Father, thank you again for your word. Your word is truth. Help us to receive it appropriately in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated. And look at this morning just at the consideration of what I wish every one of you would take serious. Every father, every husband, every man, every boy, every woman, every girl. I want you to understand something that as I share these words with you this morning. It was prompted by sitting on the sofa this week, channel surfing. Now, I'm prone at times to uh, do that, uh, especially between 255 on Dish and 268 on Dish. That's preacher networks, Uh, at least some of them are. Uh, This week, I paused on one. Uh, I I was just amazed at at what he was wearing. I thought, man, I, I, I wished I had that, but... He made a statement. you got to understand some. Give me your eyes. Don't start early on me going to sleep yet. This is a guy i, I got to confess. I don't like. I don't like listening to him preach. He's always mad. He's just mad. You figure out who it is. I said, I can't believe a guy that I don't like uh, said something that I agree with. Y'all ever been that? What? No, y'all don't get that sick, do you? But uh, this, this guy made the statement. Now listen to what he said. He said, you can be as close to Jesus as you want to be, but don't be surprised if getting there along the way, it's difficult because to do that, you're going to have to let go of some comforts and your own comfort zone. Oftentimes, Jesus might not be, uh, oftentimes, excuse me, Jesus is so far away from us emotionally, so far away from us spiritually. Uh, And we can't see because of our own sinful nature that in order to get to him, there are some things that have to be removed. When I look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, and we read the words of John the Baptist, which Brock had quoted earlier, I read from Isaiah, a prophecy of John's sermon. He talked about Jesus coming and said every valley would be filled. Every mountain would be brought low. The crooked will be made straight. The rough will be made smooth. Then, then all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. Now, stop just a moment and visualize. Just, just imagine. What does he mean when he says every mountain shall be brought low? Mountains can be obstacles. Ask anybody who's ever tried to build a highway in Gatlinburg. Mountains can be incredibly uh, uh, difficult to navigate. Sometimes you can't get over them, you go around them. But they symbolize in Scripture sometimes just nothing less than absolute, absolute obstacles, something that might dim your vision and you're not able to see what's beyond. What about the valleys? Valleys are symbolic, even Scripture, of outright grief, even depression. Anybody here ever dealt with depression? Uh, I I mean, it's a very real, real thing that happens to a degree worse in some than others. David, when he wept over his losses of children, he talked about walking through the valley of Baca. Baca, of course, is the word for tears. And uh, we read of others in the scripture whom God used mightily who fought These kinds of battles. But the text says, in Luke 3, when Jesus comes, the valleys will be filled. The mountains could be brought low. It said, the crooked will be made straight. Crook. Y'all ever heard the word crook? Uh, That's what it means. Crooked is a word for vice. And that which is not good. But Jesus can fix that. And then it said the rough will be made smooth. Now, we could talk all day about life being rough at times, can we not? But but listen to the shepherds. Listen back to the shepherds. Here they are, tending their flock, minding their business, and if you believe the Bible, while they were there in the region of Galilee to Bethlehem, like we're told, all of a sudden, in the night, From above, from heaven above, there appears angels. And the scripture says that the place shone. And it talks about the revelation of the very glory of God from the sky. And it tells us that their first reaction was one of fear. The extent that the angels said, fear not. Fear not, for behold... I bring you good tidings, translated good news, translated gospel. Uh, uh, and you heard the text and you, you read it with me. And you know of the message they delivered. And when they heard, they couldn't help but say this. Now, focus on this, please. Let's go and see this thing pass. And the text said they, made, they heard it as they sought Jesus. We read in Matthew's account where wise men, presumably, at least according to historians, from the far east, what might be present-day Baghdad, spent years looking for Jesus. And it said as they sought him, they sought him through following not a star, but his star. I suppose you can follow something that's not moving. Now, you think about the miracle in the universe. Here's a star over here, and and they followed it. Y'all seen these crazy commercials about the the guy in the insurance that's all the time having the wrecks causing trouble. Is that Allstate or State Farm or something like that? I don't know, guy. I don't know. It causes wrecks and headaches for people. And following too close. You know, it's amazing if you watch. I mean, you can't follow anything if it stops. So somehow or another, almighty God, in the very sky itself, puts not a star, but the Lord himself. And these guys follow for two, two and a half, maybe up to three years before they see Jesus at his house. Now, I know when we... At Christmas, we have the shepherds coming the same night with the wise men. Y'all know better than that, but it's still sweet and we love it. We do. It still gets the message across. But they, they they just couldn't help. Now listen to me, but put the effort forth seeking this child. The shepherds couldn't hold back. The wise men couldn't hold back. Let's look together just a few minutes. Considering seeking Jesus at what these guys uh, uh, dealt with. Number one, I, I want you to put this here. Art. Here is a case where God expressly declared that He would see His glory. Here's a case where God expressly declared from heaven salvation had come to man. Here's a case where not from the halls of academia and universities, but straight from heaven, and not to the intellectually elite, but to poor shepherds in their fields in the middle of the night, accompanied with angels, brightness, and all that symbolizes glory, saying, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, how many of you really believe that Christ was born on December 25th? Nah, he wasn't. That holiday was set in the fourth century by the Pope when he was protesting those who still worship Saturn as the God of light. And it was a good idea to take a pagan holiday and redeem it and make something good out of it. I like Christmas. I, I like celebrating Christmas. I like the tree part. I like the light part. I like the gifts. I like to give them. I like to get them. And I like the food. I like Christmas. Okay. Is everybody all right with me liking Christmas? Did anybody here like it or you'd already gone to sleep on me? Can I have a little word here? It's sweet. It's pretty. It's precious. And then on the other hand, sometimes it's just sad If, if with those that have lost loved ones Celebrate so many years. It can be sad. But there's nothing wrong with setting a day aside to say we're going to celebrate Christ's birthday. Man, get the picture when you say that. Are you really going to celebrate what happened, what God did? Let's, let's look. God has expressly Declared himself. God has invited the shepherds or encouraged the shepherds. God has told them exactly where they needed to go. And so off they go, seeking Jesus. Let me say to you, I just think sometimes in my life when I'm really struggling, I think it's probably the best time. Uh, we, we tend to relax when things are going good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We just, uh, boy, everything's great. roses are red, violets are blue. I love you and they love me too. And everybody's just filled with joy and happy, happy, happy. And then those days come where it, it's not. Shift relationship, changes comes in our work. Incomes can go up, but they can go down just as quick. Sickness comes. Sorrow comes. Grief. All those emotions. Is there a word from God for a time like that? Well, yeah. It has everything to do with your seeking Jesus. Remember the TV preacher I told you about? You can get as close to him as you want to, but it won't happen. You're just sitting where you are. David said it this way, early will I seek you. Early will I seek your face. He wrote, I asked the Lord, and the Lord heard me. This poor man cried, and the Lord delivered me from all of my troubles. Isaiah 55, 6, Isaiah's preaching. He admonished those who heard, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while found. He is near. Here's the case where God Almighty revealed himself miraculously with a message of good news that prompted men to stop what they were doing and seek the Lord. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. How much time have you spent this week, I, I don't, your theology is secondary right now, really. We, we gather and talk and argue, and we can gather and talk and disagree. We gather and talk and agree. We can talk about beliefs and express ourselves, but pure biblical Christianity is nothing less than walking with Jesus. And we're not able to do that when he's over there and we're over here. So I'd ask you right here and right right now. How much time do you spend your daily routine just seeking the face of God? Seeking the mind of God? Seeking the will of God? People amaze me saying, I wish I could hear something from God. How I many mamas in the building and daddies? Hey, let me look. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Play like you. Play like you go. Tell your kids the truth about Jesus, Holy Scripture. Well, let me try to just remind you of something. Tell your kids the Bible is the eternal, inerrant, infallible Word of God. Tell your kids it's what it claims to be. What does it claim to be? God breathed, the inspired Word of God. Psalm 119 says, Lord, forever your Word is fixed in heaven. And God is so much committed to his own word that he named his own son Word. Jesus was never called Jesus till he got here. Even John referred to him as in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh. <coughs> if you want to hear what God has to say, open your Bible and and listen to it and teach your children that peter referred to it as a more sure word of prophecy more sure than what read first peter chapters 1 and 2 more sure than the visible literal encounter that peter had with jesus in the mount of transfiguration he said we were there we saw him and we've not delivered unto you cunningly devised fables but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. Now, therefore, I deliver to you a more sure word of prophecy than even that encounter. Folks, that's unreal. That is unreal to think about. Is there a word from God? Yes. But like angels, excuse me, like shepherds, wise men, you need to spend so much time seeking what that word is. You, you need to digest and love on and chew on the word of God. How many of you know that your Bible tells you to chew the Bible? Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. For that man's delight is in the law of the Lord, And in that law, he does meditate day and night. I've told you before, meditation is the same word translated rumination. Now, I wasn't raised on a farm. I was raised in a steel town. It was all industry. And when I came to Mississippi, one year, Red Turner talked me into driving the school bus. Brock, these were the days before you had to have all those licenses, you know. I took a school bus of kids all the way to Starkville, Mississippi State University. They got a cow down there with a hole in it. Anybody ever seen the, the cow? Holy cow, they call it. You can, if you care to, walk over there and have a look, but it's all right. You'd be all right without it. But it showed the process of meditation, rumination. That cow would chew and chew and chew, swallow it. Bring it back up and chew it again. Now listen to what Holy Scripture says. The blessed man is the one who ruminates, meditates on the Word and on the law of the Lord day and night. If you would not look at your Bible as something you needed to learn, but look at it rather as something you needed to do, you'd smile a lot better and so would we when we saw you coming. Because it's a revelation of God. Christ was born, there's a revelation of God. The eternal word has come to the planet earth. The God himself has become flesh and dwells, lives, walks uh, among us. The very word himself is here. My goodness, folks, what an incredible person. We get sick like I did last week. We seek a what? Doctor. Oh, we run from them. Anybody ever wanted to stay home from a doctor because of insurance? I told Vicki, I can go down here and find a whole lot quicker. Might get in trouble, but don't go buy that medicine. She got in the car and she went and bought the medicine. What she brought home? Two pills. Two pills. Insurance $100. No, I ain't asking you to take up a love offering. I'm going to make it. Two pills $100 for somebody that done got sick anyway. So I did that and then endured all it did to me afterwards. Because I sought the doctor. Well, you seek a doctor, you get what doctors have. Right? Same thing with education. You seek education, you get what education Same thing with history or science or medicine. Seek the Father, you seek what the Father has. And the Holy Scripture says that it is a delight unto the Lord when he sees those who worship him in spirit and truth. And, 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 and listen to this. When those words were spoken by Jesus in 4, how he was blessed that men would worship him in spirit and truth. Verse says, "For the Father loveth those who seek Him." So let's talk about when the angels did it on the first Christmas. Let's talk about when the wise man did it. But let's remember those that sought Him, and it made an incredible impact on their life. But but secondly, let's look beyond. Just declared Himself from heaven and I think this is probably the most important part, at least for this morning, how God eternally defines himself. I know a lot of sick people who want to be healed but don't want a real lasting relationship with Jesus. They just don't want to be sick. I know a lot of broke people who want to be wealthy or just get more money. But they're not necessarily interested in wanting to please Christ or serve him or love him. And I know a lot of people who profess faith, and I know what my life's been like when at times I would run to the Father and say, Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Lord, would you please take this cloud out from on top of my house? Lord, would you please remove this storm and save me from this storm? And I'd be telling God about how spiritual I'd be, what a great saint I'd be when I wasn't doing a thing in the world. I wasn't crying out to God. I was crying out to the storm. I was scared of the lightning. I was scared of the wind. I was scared of the thunder. Not necessarily mind of all. Not necessarily interested at all and its source and where it came from. Look at the shepherds when they saw Jesus. Look what they were told. Luke 2, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, now listen to the answer, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Did y'all get that? Savior Christ the Lord. They knew. I mean, what can a one-day-old baby do for anybody? Well, in this case, do a lot. He said he came to reveal the Father. He said he came to redeem the fallen. He did do all of that. The point is, when the wise men sought him and the shepherds sought him, they weren't seeking him for what he could do for them. They were seeking him for who he was, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Look at me just a minute, please. I know that's just horrible thing to ask you to do. But you know tonight when you bow to pray or if you're just at the intersection and can't wait till you get home and the light's red and you pray, God knows whether you're calling on him for what he can give you, just seeking his hands, or whether you're coming to him based on who he is, seeking not his hands, but seeking his face. Now remember the scripture, those who seek me shall find. Was knock knocking it shall be, asking it shall be given. Knock and it shall be opened. Seek. And you shall find. He told through Jeremiah, I will be found by those who seek after me. Folks, there's an incredible lesson to learn on Christmas. An incredible announcement. Redemption here. God has come in the flesh. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to die in sin. You don't have to trust in one religious law anymore or one religious principle. All you have to do is realize that God has revealed himself for one purpose, and that is to draw you to him and run to him. Run to him. Finally this. God wants you close much more than you want to be close to Him. God's not going to turn you away when you come to Him. He is and when you come in repentance and faith, there are reasons. I guess the shepherds could have said. Not tonight we're tired and have you ever thought about the wise men i don't know really how many wise men there were but have you ever considered what it took for them to get from where they were to bethlehem amount of time if you were so frustrated and, and and so in need of an answer would you spend nearly three years riding camels across deserts and sleeping outside to get a solution. Listen, all you have to do is come by faith to Jesus Christ, predicated on who he is in response to his invitation. Shepherds, you can find him in Bethlehem lying in a manger. Waterbrook peeps, family, you can find him sitting right where you are. You don't have to go to Bethlehem. Matter of fact, before you got here this morning, he was here. I'm afraid as I look at church attendance, as I look at even here, that the last thing we're honestly doing is seeking the face of Jesus. Somewhere inside, we'd we'd love to go home and rest, but can't because of the mountains that dim our vision or the valleys that we can't seem to get. Every time I hear those words, mountains and valleys, I think of the time that I climbed a mountain. It's the highest point in Alabama. It's not all that high, but it is a little over a mile high. And I just went up there. (laughs) That's not high at all. But for a little kid, man, I thought I'd climb the top of the universe. But now here's what I found out when I got there. I didn't want to stay. Man, it was dry. It was rocky. It was a mess. But coming back down into the valley, you know what? I had to jump over fruit-filled vines and water streams. Because in the valley where the fruit is. Get this right here right now is the sovereign God of the universe who came revealed himself in Jesus Christ and said to you as much as he said to the shepherds come here to all you and I will give you rest You've got to stop telling God how big your troubles are and start telling your troubles how big your God is. You've you got to do that. you got to. And you will if you seek him for who he is. Because it's just like Nicodemus. I'll say this in close. Later years, he sat down beside Jesus one night. to discuss this matter of why Jesus came and the new birth. Max Lucado made the statement one time when I heard him in Memphis that here is this learned attorney, a man of great promise and prestige and social position, a man on the Sanhedrin court, a Pharisee among the Pharisees himself, Sitting next to Jesus, so close, listen, he could smell the breath of God. Because when he found Jesus, sought him, and sat with him, he was sitting with no less than God. That's what the shepherds saw when they got to the manger. God in the flesh. And that's the same God that's yours. If you want him, you can have if you seek him. That's his promise, not mine. Let's pray together. <coughs> Gary, I want to ask you to voice a prayer that God would give us a heart that seeks nothing less than Jesus